Hey friends, welcome to the Threadcast. This is Ryan Smith, the pastor of Common Thread Church. And if you're just coming to us for the first time, um, we welcome, welcome. We are a church that's kind of different, a little unique. Uh, we meet, uh, there's a group of us that meets in Central Arkansas, some in other states, and then there's a group of us that meets in Peterborough, uh, UK, which is just north of London. Hop on the uh, the train, the tube, whatever they call it up there, and you can get there, I think, in 45 minutes to an hour. But we're a group of people who are wrestling with what it means to follow God, or some of us use the word divine, some of us um, struggle with what uh, spirituality looks like, but uh, we know that community is important. And so uh, we want to be a place that's safe for everyone um, that can be together and, and wrestle with their faith. Um, the Threadcast is a way that we dive deeper into God's Word, uh, into the Bible, um, and we spend time uh, looking at it, uh, dissecting it, but more importantly, uh, trying to figure out how it applies to our lives on a daily basis. And uh, today we are starting a new series. Um, and so if you're joining us, welcome, welcome. This is going to be a fun series for us. Um, we are going to be looking at the book of Romans. Um, and so the book of Romans is kind of a weird book. It's a deep book for some people. If you have any church background, um, you know uh, a lot of people can wade deep into the into the muck and mire and the weeds here in this one. Um, but we're going to try to keep it at a level where it challenges us not just to get into the theology, but more importantly to get into the life of it. Um, I am going to be using a book to help guide me that I would love for you guys to get if you want. You can read along with us as we go through it. But the book is called Reading Romans Backwards by uh, Scott McKnight, uh, The Gospel of Peace in the Midst of Empire. And so it's a kind of a unique way to look at uh, the book of Romans. And so we're going to kind of be using his his uh, method and uh, and kind of going through this uh, week by week. But we'll kind of start off, today is an introduction into the book and what we're doing. And I just want to kind of get everybody on the same page with this. And so Romans, um, this book, it is a book that has shaped uh, the Western culture, uh, Western theology, um, very immensely. That this is this is the book that uh, a lot of people have used to guide what we do today. So people like Augustine, Luther, Calvin, Wesley, Barth. Uh, these are some theologians who's who've helped um, write um, literature that we listen to that impacts what we do as churches. Uh, they dove deep into the book of Romans. And so um, this is an important book for us. Um, the book itself was written probably around AD 57. Uh, it's kind of when they have come to agree um, on kind of a year. Uh, we, we're pretty positive that it was written by Paul. Um, some of you um, have heard the story. He used to be named Saul. He used to kill Christians. He, on the road to Damascus, he saw a light. Uh, you know, he goes blind for a little bit, and then God changes his name to Paul and becomes this this uh, prominent and powerful preacher for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we are ninety percent sure that he is the one that wrote this. Um, it was written to uh, Christians who were in Rome, and um, we call it the Church of Rome, but it probably was more like five house churches. Um, you know, and we, I don't know that number is exact, but it's somewhere around there that we know where people were meeting in in small small homes um, and small groups. And these churches would have been made up of what we call Gentiles and Jews and um, who, had, who, had, who had converted into uh, Christians. And so this is who Paul is writing to. And this is important because we're going to keep coming back to this because there's this idea that when you study a book in the Bible, um, 
it's easy for some people to kind of start taking passages and and pulling them out and use them as as ammo, um, as as ways to prove what you believe or your point, and you want to stick it to the other person. And and so many of us have been hurt by that kind of, of usage of the of scripture. And and I want you to understand that that's something we push back from, and that we're we're trying to to wrestle with what does what was the writer trying to say and so that's that's important when you look at any book in the bible is is to know the 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 time that it was written who is written to and what they would have heard and once you get to those things once you understand what's going on in the world around them and you can understand the nuances of the language of the words that they use that there's actually power in those words um and that they meant something to people back then and that there's real humans involved. We forget that when we uh, read scripture. But once we can hear what they heard, that's when we can apply it to our modern life, right? That's when we can actually take it and use it and, and see um, how it affects how we live today. A lot of times, if you if you spent time um, in church, you've heard about Romans, and there's usually two prevalent um, perspectives when you study Romans. And it's these are two big church words. Um, don't be afraid when I, when I say them if you don't know them. But there's one called soteriology. One called ecclesiology, right? This, these are words that guide people when they look at Romans. But, but very simply, soteriology um, is the study of um, basically the afterlife, right? Soteriology is the end times. It's this idea that people read Romans on how to to gain salvation is a word they use, how how to be saved, and that they let Romans kind of teach them that. So, so a lot of people will, will look at Romans through that lens, or they'll look at the through Romans through the lens of ecclesiology, which is the study of basically of the church. It's this idea of ha, um, how you live out things now, right? It's it's the actual life of, of what it means to be a Christian, not just um, theology and philosophy. Um, and so a lot of people read Romans that way. And uh, during this study... Um, we are going to uh, lean more towards the ecclesiology side of Romans, this idea of what it means for us to live it out, right? Because when you look at Romans, you can you can dive deep into the theology and the philosophy of what's going on and sp- spend so much time in your head that you forget that this was a book that was meant to be lived out, right? And so um, that's what we're going to be focused on as we um, dive into Romans. We're going to look at the nuances that are happening, but we want to make sure that it's, it's something that we can do and be and and exist in, if that makes sense. And so, by using Scott McKnight's, Scott McKnight's book, um, reading Romans backwards, um, instead of starting chapter one, and there's no there's nothing wrong with that. I don't want you to hear this, but it's just kind of a, a new way maybe to look at it. We're going to start um, in Romans chapter twelve through sixteen. It, he kind of divides it into three sections: twelve through sixteen, and then nine through 11 um, and 1 through 8, um, but we're going to kind of look at it in two to three sections, and we're going to start in 12 to 16, and then we'll go back 1 through 11. And here's why. You see, this idea that the verses or chapters 1 through 11 really deals with this, this deep theology stuff. And so what happens is a lot of people will dive into those first 11 chapters and leave it at that and kind of get tired and, and kind of quit by chapter 12. But Scott McKnight's um, premise is this idea that 12 through 16 is actually the the reason that we get 1 through 11, right? That 12 through 16 teaches us um, that that there are people involved and these people come from different backgrounds. And it's it's this idea that that we're called to live a certain way. Um, 
And so because of the people that are around us, because of the communal setting that we have, and then chapters 1 through 11 then gives us how to live together, okay? Um, and so that's kind of how we're going to lay this out, um, is, is that we're going to start in 12 through 16 and then go through 1 through 11. Because you see, the premise I think that, that, that Scott McKnight throws out um, for the book of Romans that Paul is trying to do is that um, Paul um, pushes back, fights against the concept of privilege and power. And then he, he takes that, that concept of privilege and power and he suggests that in Romans... Um, that Paul is replacing it with the peace of Christ, okay? And so here's the thing that we need to recognize what's happening in the book of Romans is that um, as much as the Roman church, as as much as uh, those Christians of those days, they were already struggling with the concept of how... um, how to live, how to be one, how to be united, how to be peaceful people, how to not give in to the modern world that is around them. And so um, we need to understand that's going on. But here's the thing that we have to understand as well. Today in our modern time, as Americans, as uh, even uh, British uh, people, people in the, in the Western world, in the modern times, we have this inability um, be um, to to recognize what's happening in Romans because we are privileged and power, and so so there's this this struggle, the inability of the privileged and powerful to embody um, the message that is in Romans, which is inclusive and demands that we include the disprivileged and the disempowered. Uh, when you are privileged and when you are powerful. Um, then it's hard for you to take the role of um, looking at the ones who are not privileged and who are not powerful. And so there's this innate born thing that's inside you that it's hard to see that. And that's what uh, McKnight and Romans is trying to teach us is that we need to open our eyes to this concept of privilege and power around us, right? And so the idea that's going on is is, is power. Um, and we need to remember who is in charge during this time, right? Who's who's running the world? And uh, it's this this thing called the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire, if you haven't studied it, you know we we, we see all the you know um, Italy and all these great things that they built and all this stuff. But you understand that the Roman Empire was this military force that the world has never seen. That it dominated. It was literally the only powerhouse in the world at the time. Now there were a few little other smaller um, powerhouses in, in maybe Asia and that area, but they they didn't they failed in comparison to who Rome was. As a matter of fact, there's no modern army or country that is equivalent to the power that Rome had over the world at that time. Even USA, Russia, and, and all these, you know, China, all these other, you know, these big powerhouses today, um, the, the the might that we bring to the world doesn't compare to what Rome brought to the world, that they were this fierce, fierce, fierce army. And so this idea was, is that power is what driven them. If you have the biggest army, if you have the strongest weapons, that is the concept of power, right? And it's something we buy in today is this idea that, that um, as you see in America, you know, in, in the, the democracy that we have, the Republican and Democrats, um, there's always this battle. Who's going to control the House? Who's going to control the Senate? Who's going to be the president? You know, and if we if we get the all the Republicans in one, then all the Republicans can do something. And, and then when the Republicans win, um, the Democrats know we've got to take over and we got to do this. And it's this idea, it's this continual fight to see who has the most power or the most numbers so that they can get the most 
done. That's how we see this concept of power, right? But then um, there's this concept of privilege. And privilege is, is a big key word, you know, today that, that happens. And a lot of times we, we talk about it, you know, with uh, with racial conversations. But privilege exists even beyond just racial things. Um, you know, there's a I found just this, this quick article real quick that kind of talks about privilege. It says privilege comes from Latin privilegium, meaning a law for just one person, a benefit enjoyed by an individual or group beyond was available to others. Any right in immunity or benefit enjoyed only by a person or group beyond the advantages of most. An unearned advantage that a dominant group has over marginalized groups. Enjoying a special right or advantage that most people do not have allows a person to not be subject to, to usual rules or penalties, right? And so, so you can go on, but it's this idea that, that when you are a part of the people that are in power, then you have privilege. Um, and we can understand it, you know, um, in big um, modern terms as far as, you know, when the, the Republicans are in power or the Democrats are in power, you know, that they have the privilege that comes forth. But there's this idea that extends, you know, that, that privilege can extend into race, into gender, um, into ethnicity, into into your your social status, into how much money you have, into where you're born, right? There's all these concepts of, of power and privilege. And so here's the thing with power and privilege. Is that when privilege and power exist, that it creates various forms of injustice. And Romans is a book that is filled with power and privilege and pushing back from them. That that Paul's gospel in Romans deconstructs power and privilege, that it turns power upside down and it denies privilege and instead it puts forth this concept of peace now as we dive into this concept of peace you need this is where we have to go back again to who's in control the romans and at this time caesar augustus is in charge of rome possibly the greatest caesar um that has that ever ruled rome um, um even better than julius caesar um but he was the one who began a period of time called the pax romana and the Pax Romana, in very short, um, overly simplified uh, description, it was about a 200-year period where uh, Rome has said that they they experienced the most peace in the world, that they weren't at wars with all these big countries. But here's the thing. Um, they weren't at wars with, with major people because their idea of peace was that we're going to go into your land and we are going to literally destroy everything that you are. Kill everyone. That we are, If you don't agree with us, if you don't bow down to us and immediately join us, we are going to annihilate you. And that's how peace came about. That was Pax Romana. This idea that peace comes through power, that peace comes through power, and that through the power we have privilege, um, a very unique peace. So if you were Roman um, and you occupied a foreign country, Roman um, citizens carried a privilege um, over the, the people that owned that land because they were Roman, right? And so when Paul begins to talk about peace, when Jesus talks about peace, this is in um, in a world where everyone understands the idea of Pax Romana, that peace comes through power. And and when, when Paul begins to share Jesus' peace and begins to talk about it, he begins to show something that is very different. And that's what we're going to be looking at in the book of, of Romans. Um, there's a passage that kind of... Um, 
sums all this up. And it's a long section, um, but it's right there in the middle. It's, it's Romans chapter 12. And remember, this is the part, this is part of Romans where it begins to talk about, hey, here's, you know, the chapters 1 through 11 was the theology. Here's all the deep thoughts. Here's what you're supposed to do. But this the, the chapter 12 is kind of the, the hinge point that kind of bring us back to, hey, this is why we do what we do. And, and it's not just about knowing things, right? Because a lot of times today, Christianity is about how much knowledge I have or how much scripture I can memorize. But, but Paul brings us to this idea that it's something that's lived out, um, that's something that you actually do, that you participate in. Um, and Paul is actually confronting the lack of lived theology, this idea that that um, people really aren't doing um, what they believe, that they're just kind of talking about it. And that's what they've seen um, in so much of their life. But I want to read this to you, and then I want you to just kind of think about it for a little bit. Um, So it's Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 9, and we're going to go through the end of the chapter. It says this, Love must be sincere. And this is what he's, he's describing what it means to follow Jesus. Who follows Jesus? This is what it looks like. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. So he's talking about the church here, that we're supposed to be people of love. We've heard that before. Never be lacking zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Okay, this is that's not something new, right? We, we've heard this before, but he keeps going on. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low of low position. Do not be conceited. So you hear him pushing back from privilege. You hear him pushing back from power. And here's where the, the concept of peace comes in. And it's not a concept of peace where peace comes through power. Here in verse 17, it says this, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. We're going to come back to that. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so, the concept of uh, Pax Romana, a peace of Rome, comes through the idea of power and devastation. The Pax Christi, the peace of Christ does not come through power, but it comes from doing good. It comes from forgiveness. It comes from hospitality. Um, this is the peace that that uh, that God, that Jesus instructs us, that Paul gives us, and what it means to change the norm of power and privilege. Now, I already I already hear you. I already hear you in your cars, in your in wherever you're at, in your room, whatever it might be. Like, yeah, yeah, Ryan, this is all. Well and good, but um, you know, you, you still understand. You know, you still understand what the president has done. You don't understand what those 
groups of people, what the Republicans did. You don't understand what the Democrats did. You don't understand what um, that guy did to my family, how or or what my husband did, or what you know. All these we have all these issues, right? And we say that these people it's just it's not equivalent, right? But you need to remember. You need to remember at this time, Rome is in power. And not only is Rome the most fiercest army in the world, they're the most cruel and vile group of people. They, they We're not known for that, but they're the ones who invented, they didn't invent torture, but they found incredible ways to do it, right? They came up with crucifixion and they came up with all of those, that they were, they were, uh, they would, take people and do incredibly horrific things to them uh, at the drop of a hat. And so there's Christians that, that this is written to who they're, who they're sharing a, a town. They're living next to people who may have raped their family or killed their family members that they're having to serve them. This is the, this is the culture that's going on. And he's telling them, do not repay anyone evil for evil. That there's not a green light to ever... Um, give yourself a reason to become the person that you hate. This is tough, guys. Um, this, but this is what it's about. This is what Paul is teaching in Romans. All the theology that we're going to get talk about, and all the things that we're going to wrestle with, comes back to this idea that we are to replace power and privilege, and we're to replace it with peace. Um, and so I want to leave it at that, um, because that's a lot to wrestle with. That's, that's going to, we're going to get ticked off in this series. Okay. Because it's going to, it's going to fly right in the, in, in, in the face of who we've been and what we've thought. Um, and so I want you to just kind of sit in this, sit in this idea of what it means for you to be someone of peace. What does it mean for you to bless someone who's persecuted you? Um, what does it mean to to feed the people that you hate, to give them drink? What does that look like? Um, we're going to have some discussion questions in our workplace um, that if you'd like to join again, just let us know. But this is something that I want you to marinate in. I want you to read Romans 12, 9 through 21 several times this week and let it kind of just sit in and see what God is telling you because this is not going to easy, but this is going to be a time for us this is what our world needs. Our world needs a place where um, the norm of power and privilege, um, the cycle is stopped because that cycle is not working. Um, just because we get in who we like doesn't mean things get better, right? That there's something different that takes place when, when God and Jesus are involved. And so that's what I want to leave you with today. Um, are you a person of peace? And what does that look like for you? Does peace come through power? Does peace come through your privilege? Or are we called to use our power and privilege and bring about peace in a totally unique way? Um, some things to think about um, and love to hear your thoughts on that. So I want to kind of just leave you with this idea that you were meant to change this world. You are not meant to be someone who walks and talks like this world, like the people around you. You are meant to be someone who is extraordinary. But that superpower or that distinction does not come through the way the world recognizes. It does not come through power and privilege, but it comes through peace. So may you find ways 
to be peaceful people this week. Have a great day. Grace and peace.